another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dera, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone. This is your vital essence for the Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Philip. And I'm your host, Ethan. And I'm your host, Jamie. And today we're going to talk about the sixth episode of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. This episode's called By Gelfling Hand. And um, yeah, we're just going to keep talking about, you know, every episode of the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And also just to let everyone know that even though we do talk about just the moments within the episodes of the show we do talk about the whole season um all the episodes like as a whole as well so um letting you all know way in advance that there will be spoilers for the entire show or for the entire season of the dark crystal age of resistance so yeah I, i'm just trying to think like i mean where to start off all out i mean you know we've got our heroes because, I mean, this is something that did happen in the previous episode that we sort of ran out of time, that they were getting taken away, um, that they were going to go to the Castle of the Crystal uh, with all our heroes, except for um, Rian and with Naya, Kylan and Gurjan and, and, and Rian, they're all together and they sort of reach to, they get to Hurrah, but they sort of like miss, miss them because they're like, oh, they're going away. So, and it was, you know, pretty interesting like um yeah there's actually a lot that goes on like and as the heroes are sort of getting onto their carriages to sort of try to to rescue them and that was just again another great sort of continuation of the sort of the carriage sequences just incredible stuff i was actually just looking how hop he's just sort of feeling like a bit unwell a bit sick you know i guess from all the movement um you know in the carriage <laughs> so it's just yeah there, there is a lot that happens um in this episode so yeah i just i just don't know like where to begin to talk about because yeah there's just so much that again sort of happens yeah there is a lot i mean there's this we have the the dream the dream space episode the call to the heroes the call to the journey and then this next episode is essentially the journey beginning and where that's gonna and we see celadon sort of taking her place in that journey, her rejecting the information that she's found out and siding with the Skeksis, uh, you know, at, you know, and she, her mother has lost her life and she's decided I'm going to become Madra. And so she's called all the Madras to herself. And then you have, of course, our main heroes on the journey to find, uh, or to go to where, as we eventually discover Ergo and, uh, was it the Wanderer? No, er, it's Ergo called the Skekra. Wanderer. Skekra the Conqueror, right? Yeah, Skekra the Heretic and Ergo the, the Heretic. Wanderer. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, so it's a lot of like, uh, our, the Fellowship start is is almost at the precipice of breaking up and going their own ways. It's a very transitional episode, and uh, a lot of again more information that's that's coming out. But you're right though, Philip. There's so much to 
there's so much going on. I mean, this show could have five different episodes on one episode, five different after shows on one episode detailing the, the puppeteering and just, there's so much going on, but I really loved this episode. I thought it was, it was, uh, again, just perfect and, uh, so beautifully executed and all of the information that we're telling. And there's a lot of information. It's effortless. It just feels natural. It feels, um, but you also can feel like, I feel like, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel, you feel that not so much danger, but you feel the stakes. You feel what's at risk now that the world is really at risk and you better take your place and you better find your place because we don't have time to stop. Yeah, again, yeah, it's just so much. And, and actually just, you know, watching throughout the show and, you know, yeah, the stakes are sort of rising high as like as the Galfings are trying to, to get them out. And But then sort of Law sort of comes in to save the day essentially, sort of almost, you know, heeding to Bria's call because, of, of course, um, the Law did say that, you know, he'd basically protect um, Bria, which actually made me thought about, like basically almost everyone has their own protection. So it's like, Bria has Law, Deet has Harp, and then I was just trying to think, like, Rian, I mean, I guess he has Gurgen as his, his protector, so, so which, which is all really cool. Yeah, I just love, like, what they did with Law. Like, I know originally that Law was actually going to be a, a CGI kind of character, and um, it was really interesting that they decided to, you know, actually figure out, could we actually make this as a puppet? And then they ended up trying to use um there's a there's there's a term the the ban raku that a uh, term for puppeteering, which essentially just having puppeteers from the outside, you know puppeteering like the body of the of the characters and um and I think you know once they worked out a way to you know to do that with law that um yeah law really just came to life in that way and of course you know they did use you know a bit of a bit of um you know visual effects as well for probably for certain shots and stuff that just wouldn't be possible um so yeah yeah it's just um again just incredible yeah no i'm so glad they figured it out that because i uh, i just watched avengers infinity war for the first time the other day and i it's incredible but the thanos's little minions his little the guys that five from I don't know what they're called. I I love them, but they're CG, and you can see that they're CG. And it it's like really my only knock for the movie is like th- those guys. I mean, put somebody in a freaking you know makeup or a mask or something. I mean, everything is so I don't know. You you can just tell it's not really there. And if you know if uh, what's his name uh, Lore was a CG character, it just really it it would have been a bummer. So actually having lore really there, this weird stone creature made of balanced rocks. I mean, it makes all the difference. It's I mean, there there's some creatures that were completely CG, like the armaligs, the the creatures that that uh, pull the uh, the carriages. That's fine. You know, they actually don't really uh, interact with the other characters. That you know. And but lore does, and it's such a treat for the audience to to see him interact with everybody um, uh, physically. It, it's such a big difference, and I don't know, I don't know. Maybe someday they'll be able to trick the eye 
to to think a CG character is actually really there, but I don't know. We're not there yet. So I'm so glad that they 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 did that cool innovative puppet well it's it's old uh it's really old way of puppetry but it was used so cleverly and yeah i i I guess what that's what i love about aor is you know they they tackle a problem um in in a way that like what would jim henson do you know like and i that's what why this is such a treat is this i i really don't think aor would have been done any differently uh if jim henson were were there helping out you know uh it, it really is just true to that spirit in my opinion uh i love lore just what's what was amazing is just how well like the visual effects and then the puppetry you know just they just blended so well i mean and even like with deet's eyes for example like they actually had to sort of animate her blinking um and i think it was something to do with like because her um, head was small, to, to try and operate the blink of the eyes was just going to be, yeah, it was just too challenging or, or something like that. So they actually had to sort of recreate the blinkings and sort of try and figure out how to, to make that work. It's just such a great blend. And um, it's, again, just a magical, just a magical show. Like, I mean, even just looking at some of the moments um, during sort of seeing like the, the crown pieces from from the wind sifters um they, they can't pick up a piece of the crown to take to the other clans like even that is sort of very magical and, and also i mean that that was the thing that was really neat that the wind sifters were actually based on sort of an illustration of it from uh the world of the dark crystal which i thought was a really neat sort of uh connection between you know that book when it first came out and in 82 and then yeah here it is you know so many years later um the wind sifters are from uh, worlds of dark crystal and uh also i just found this really cool old concept art of a skexis um that to me screams skekmal without his mask and i'm like oh my god i've never seen this before um the the face shape the the not tendrils but kind of appendages all over his face i mean straight out of this old concept art and they they did so much new on this show but so much old too i mean they went into the recycle bin and they said can we use this can we use this you know uh, so many things that they made for dark crystal the original film uh and we see in 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 this show um it's so so cool that they uh that they made the old feel so fresh and new and actually i mean that was a thing that actually happened recently i actually because usually you know every time i look at that book the world of the dark crystal i sort of get distracted by all the pictures and actually i think i actually read i read the book um and yeah again just really loved and just just how deep that book actually is just so many layers of like you know all these interpretations of the symbols and and the the mythology that was sort of laid out in this book that i mean with the film you sort of only got a bit of glimpses here and there but with that book you could really like study and analyze it and um but yeah it was just incredible just you know for them going back to the past or looking at things and seeing what were you know what they could sort of incorporate um with the show that that's for certain yeah what i love about this episode as well is we see for the first time a part of Thra that's never been shown, which is the desert. 
they end up going to the desert because they're going to go to the the whatever of the seven. I don't remember what that's called. What is it called? The triangle of the, the no, the circle, the octagon of the seven circles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the circle of the sun. I, I, I know. I kept thinking it was like the seven of the cir- circles like of the, the seven of the circles. Like the seven yeah. sun? No, the circle of the sun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I throw seven in there because that's in episode seven is where you see Ergo no. and uh, the heretic for the first time. No, right? they, it's actually called the circle of the seven suns in the video game. That's what. Oh. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, that that's the thing that was so confused about that because I remember, like, yeah, when, when the video game, um, I think during E3, that they showed off, like, a map of Thra, and it had that, the circle of the seven suns. I'm like, ooh, okay, that's an interesting sort of location. I wonder if we're going to see that in the show. And then they called it, the, yeah, the circle of the suns in, in, in the show. So I'm like, I have no idea how that got crossed over like um yeah yeah that's interesting um what i love about well i mean there's so much to love about obviously the show we can we'll continue to talk more about it but the 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 flying thing what's that called the crystal skimmers i love that you can't tell if it's puppeteered or if it's digital i would imagine it's digital but there's Something that's really amazing, and I love it about the the, the baby Arathim, that you they don't look digital; they look like they're puppeteered. The, however, they created them looks very realistic. It's very tactile. You feel like you could just hold it and touch it. I'd love to. I'd love one of those, by the way. Like, just I'd love to have one just sitting on my shelf or whatever. They're awesome. Um, but you see this throughout Age of Resistance. You don't know if something is pup- a puppet or if it's CG. That is brilliant. It is brilliant. There's a couple of times I think where you're like, oh, okay, that might be CG, but that's I could probably count that on you know three fingers when I I realize okay this is probably CG and it's not because even a lot of the wide shots are real locations um, or something that's augmented. It's just and just seeing the the crystal the crystal desert or whatever. It's a part of Thra we've never seen. It makes Thra so much bigger than because. What we, our idea of Thra is, it's just kind of like there's the castle and there's the woods and that's it. But no, Thra, and you know, and then when you go to the Seafen clan, they're on the beach and there's ships and Thra is huge. It's just huge. It's it's an epic world. And you really see that in Age of Resistance. And it's it was really wonderful to see them arrive at these rocks on the precipice of the Crystal Desert. Uh, it's just a great thing. I mean, that's the thing, like, they could have easily just done, you know, a whole show where it's, like, ten episodes, they're just in the forest the whole time. So, uh, yeah, it was really great that this show really expands on the world of Thra, and, yeah, just getting to go to all these different environments, from the caves to the high hills of Hurrah, you know, or, you know, Seven of the Circle Suns, the Crystal Desert, all these different environments, and, um, like, each of them are just uh, very unique. I feel like, you know, every episode, there's always so, you know, many emotions that sort of run throughout the show. I think in the last episode, we sort of talked about with Hup and Deet. And I think this one is definitely um, with um, Bria and Deet. And Bria is, I mean, she's like being upset at this point in time, you know, realizing, no, not realizing, but I mean, with her mother sort of pass away and then, you know, Saladon basically placed the blame on her and Bria sort of starts to have a bit of, you know, guilt, you know, I can't just, you know, she felt the need to, to go back to Hurrah to sort of 
do, you know, like a, a ceremony for her mother. And then Deed's like, you know, going back now won't help anyone. You know, I should be there to bury her. Um, send her essence back to Thra. And then Deed's like, well, maybe we could have our own ceremony right here. And it's just like, oh, just the feels right there. And she's like, you know, that would help. And, you know, that's what friends do. It's like, oh, we help. Um, again, it's just like, just a, an, another emotional scene. Like, you know, just that Bria may not be able to, you know, be with her mother, you know, to, to do the burials of traditional stuff. But, you know, what they're going to do is serve an, um, you know, an, another alternative, you know, which we got to see with the, the sort of the old Mordred song um, when all the Gelflings are sort of towards the end, of the, or probably towards the end of the episode when they're um, uh, in the circle and, you know, singing the songs and and then intercutting that with um, with Saladon just burning her mother, which is like, you know, pretty shocking. And even I think the librarian very on in the scene where, you know, when Saladon was like, yeah, you know, we're going to, you know, burn her sort of thing. And he, the librarian's just like, you know, for shame. So again, just like, so much drama that actually happens in each of the episodes of the show. I love the song as well. I love that the moment of the song and them all singing and the, it's just pure magic. I haven't watched the show in a while and just thinking of the show and it's just, I, it's overwhelming how amazing it is. It's, um, yeah, I know, I know, I know it really is just incredible. It's just like, it's just hard to, you know, it's like what to talk about just because so much happens in each episode. It's sort of, it's like we could just be talking for years on one episode if we, you know, if we wanted to, to go that that way. Um, but also, yeah, I just wanted to point out, I know in the previous episode, we were sort of talking about, um, I think with Olga, about knowing the paths and stuff. And yeah, there's a scene where um, Olga returns to see Uva the archer. I actually love that she just calls calls him long, long neck as a nickname or something like that which i thought was yeah, pretty hilarious and and yeah like she basically says like i've heard the song of thra no thanks to your riddles <laughs> um yet you found your answers all but one and then he pauses and he's like you know and sort of says how it all ends so it's sort of like i think yeah at this point that it's many pieces on the board that she says many possible outcomes Olga must guide all to bring about the best one, like hurting fizz gigs. Like, yeah, it just, it definitely seems like at this point, like she only knows the beginning and the middle of sort of where, you know, all the puzzles on a board, it's that sort of thing. So, um, just thought I'd bring that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Or do you think she knows the, she knows the end? I don't know. I think, I think she sees, I think she sees a more and that's, and that's why she says, I'm aiming, I'm shooting for the best one. What if her plans, you know, say in a hypothetical season two, go amok? What if the events of the Dark Crystal movie are not what she was shooting for? What if, you know, she's shooting for the best of all worlds, the best possible timeline? Something happens, messes it all up, and she's like, oh my god, what has happened and then we everything starts aiming towards the events of the dark crystal film and and i think she's seen you know she sees it all lie before her she's seen the dark crystal movie 
play out along with, you know, millions of other possible versions of the same events. And she's shooting for, you know, the good one, the good one, the good one. Like, you know, it's like hurting physics. She's trying to get all these. Yeah, it just it just made me think about like <laughs> with the Avengers Infinity War when uh, Doctor Strange, he's sort of, you know, in his own trance um, in Thanos' planet and trying to figure out like all the different outcomes and that um yeah 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 like he it's like there's only one one outcome um out of all the possibilities so <laughs> and i i i legitimately think she you know and this is just me in my opinion i think she's seen let, let let's say you know 20 versions of the future you know maybe she's seen more maybe less um but just let's simplify it you know 20 or 100 versions of the future including the events of the dark crystal movie and she's you know she saw the dark crystal movie like i don't want that to happen that sucks you know that and so she's shooting for uh one and i think something's gonna muck things up so that we do go to the events of the dark crystal and so, yeah, that's not a future she's shooting for. I, in this is my opinion, but I think she does know the futures plural, and she's she's trying to get to one. Yeah, and I mean, like this was probably the most interesting thing. Like rewatching this, you know, all the episodes, and Irva actually asks, you know, and where does my path lead? Again, a lot of foreshadowing, you know, and she says into the sands to face the hunter and he's sighing and there's a bit of a pause he's like you know i cannot defeat my dark half you will find a way but not without sacrifice and if i fail and then she says the heroes of thra will be lost yeah i i yeah it's just like rewatching that it's like well they pretty much almost told us like how it was all gonna end like especially verva and um the hunter but i mean like you know watching it for the first time you it just sort of goes by but watching it, it's like well so olga sort of knew that piece of the puzzle was going to happen about you know that he, he would have to make a sacrifice to sort of save uh rian from you know being killed by the hunter essentially and also i guess for olga to be resurrected but then again it's sort of towards the end of the show like even olga didn't knew if if it was going to work about her essence going to be drained into the, the hunter, she's like, oh, I didn't know if it was going to work. I was, I was hoping it would. <laughs> no, there, there's a precedence for Agra um, seeing the future in the dark crystal film. Um, when Kira frees herself, you know, with the animals and Skeketech dies and Agra says, you know, very soon the, the suns are going to touch, you know, go Gelfling. Kira runs off and then she whispers to herself, I fear to death. She she sees a a, a future where Kira gets killed. Um and in the, you know the I, I just think that's so interesting how she's how confusing, you know, being a prophet would be. You know, you you have to deal with so many futures, plural, and you know, how confusing would that be? And, you know, that's, that's what she's doing. The whole show is just wandering around the land, trying to get things to line up and cooperate. And, you know, like, like she says, hurting physics is like, and, you know, as we saw with Celadon, she can't force anybody to do anything. 
uh, and I think in in a future episode, I don't remember what episode eight. Uh, you know, she go, goes to Madra Farah, and Madra Farah doesn't listen to her, and she's like, "Well, crap. Okay, I tried." <laughs> you know, it was really the whole moment or moments with Agra and Irva. It's just great. Just the, his introduction. Um, the way that they met, there's just a lot of mystery surrounding them. They're very mysterious. Even though Agra is the most visible in the in the show, um, the mystics are more talked about. And of course, we see Ergo later on. I just it was just really a great uh, a great series of events that's happening between them and the dialogue that they share. They sort of they know a lot as creatures that are. Well, Agra is of Thra, but she's also more than just of Thra. She knows things the Gelflings will never know. She's a spirit as much as she is a body. And that's the same for Irva. He's a spirit as much as he is a body. And so they have almost a spiritual connection. Um, very interesting. I have a hard time with uh, with Irva's puppet, with the puppet of Irva. It's just as odd. It just doesn't, it doesn't sell me, but the performance sells me for sure. Just another, again, amazing moment uh, in, in a show of amazing moments. And probably, I mean, probably a, a moment, probably not so amazing. I mean, a bit disturbing, I guess. But, uh, of course, like, you know, there was that moment where the Chamberlain, um, you know, when he finally gets back from the, gets back to the Castle of the Crystal and um, he sees um, the Goromand urinating outside, um, which is... <laughs> You see one stream and then two streams and then three. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty oh, gross. That. It's pretty sick. I, I remember Addis said that they, they came up with the idea of peeing uh, three streams and Brian Froud loved it. And, and uh, at first I, I misunderstood and I thought Brian Froud came up with it. But Addis did... Uh, reaffirm like no 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 we came up with it but he loved it and uh it's just really cool to see how how they worked with brian froud and like what do you oh and i don't know if we ever told you this um because i don't think it's published anywhere but jeff addis said that brian froud said that the castle um and the stone walls and everything it, it came from the the skeksis secrete something from their bodies that creates all the 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 stone grunge that falls off in the film and i was like oh shoot that's cool that's just you know a cool fun fact from brian froud that i don't think is i've read everything that's never been that put into anything i hope they release that somehow yeah that'd be neat yeah oh that's really interesting yeah yeah of course with dark crystal you always gotta have those sort of disturbing sort of moments you know that we saw from the film into the show and yeah that was definitely um one of those moments where it's like oh okay <laughs> everyone's basically drinking essence and actually i actually like the gorman in this episode he's just he just seems so drunk on essence and just like getting carried away and it's like yeah you know just so good this essence <laughs> i love that he's the little tour guide in this sequence like let me catch you up on events, Chamberlain. Follow me. Yeah. He's totally drunk. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, it's just, yeah, again, just so, uh, just, just so hilarious. And then I guess like just sort of moving on, um, 
And I think, like, again, like, one, one of the moments, like, from the show that I really enjoyed, like, re-watching it was seeing um, when all the, um, the Mordras, um, they come to visit Celadon and, you know, returning all their crowns, you know, the pieces of the crown to her, except for um, Madra Ar- Argot, who um, uh, couldn't attend. And again, like, with this scene, the one thing I actually liked... You know, we had some, you know, um, scenes that are very emotional, you know, full of drama um, that are very, you know, steady sort of thing, you know, very still. But this scene, like the camera is actually constantly moving, you know, going around sort of essentially in circles around the characters. And uh, again, just another great example, just the way that the shot, uh, that the scene was um, filmed and just um, just circling around all all the Mordras, um, essentially which is again just sort of uh yeah just just another example of yeah like that just that whole scene and and they're you know they were going to do this um trial by air which i mean unfortunately we don't really get to see that towards the end of the episode because things sort of got changed up you know when at the end when um saladon's like here you know take your crown far i don't want it you know i've got a new crown so beat that but i did love the sequence with the Madras and it was very powerful. It felt powerful. You know, there was this chance where Celadon was making her intentions known and what were the rest going to do? And most of them were too scared to do anything. And the ones that decided, no, we're going to stand up for this. They paid a price for it. You pay a price for standing up for what's right. And I love that they showed that. And uh, it was, they let Celadon sort of go and do what she was going to do. And it, it also there was also a price for that. It was just very powerful. Her her taking flight in that space was also very powerful to me. It's this moment where Farah's like, no, no, like I will I reject this completely. And Farah Farah looking around at the other Madras like, wake up! I've just seen. We just we know what's happening. Wake up! And the rest of the Madras except for um, the Madra from. Uh, what clan is that? The Drenchen, yeah. Yeah. The, the She's the only one who's like, no, I agree. And uh, I just, again, very powerful moment. And uh, it's very layered, uh, again, with the information that's how people respond to the same information that everyone's seeing. Some people respond in fear. Some people respond and react with power. Like, no, I fundamentally reject this. And uh, oftentimes the people who make history are the ones who reject uh, who, re- who reject the obvious, not evil, but uh, just sort of what what's going on that's obviously wrong. Sometimes what's, what you see is that's happening is wrong doesn't look like it's wrong. And the people who stand up to that are often people who are criticized the most. And I just love that scene. Yeah, it is an incredible scene. And again, like I love, like, again, there was another little reference. Um, again, I think where um, Faris like say, saying, you know, we'll f- fly Ronip's pass. So, you know, Ronip's cannon, <laughs> um, which is kind of a neat, yeah, little, just, an, I guess, loving these little Easter eggs. But yeah, I mean, the design for um, uh, Celadon, like the new design, you know, just resembling Skeksis or the crown, for me, the crown sort of is very much like the castle of the, of the crystal. Yeah, just a very unique look. And um, just for her, like, being very, you know, trying to make herself very intimidating. And, yeah, it's just like, 
yeah yeah again it's just you know like like with her, with her journey like you know this is episode six and there's been such an amazing arc uh with celadon you know how she started off by you know feeling like that she's being left out and we'll have to wrap up for this episode of trial by stone and yeah there's just so much that happens and i mean I'm just looking forward to chatting more more of the show in, in the future. So I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in and stay tuned for more episodes of Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.